We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. somebody you don't like. Don't tell me there's people in the world you don't like. One of the things that the speaker, Dan Betcher, said this week, he said, the meanest people I've ever met in the world are Holy Ghost-filled Christians. I met one. Well, today the title of my message is entitled Environment and Desire. Environment and Desire. If you have your Bibles turned to Luke chapter 15, a very, very common passage of Scripture, but I hope I bring something new to you today, fresh. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse number 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between the two of them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Can you imagine somebody would live like that wild? <laughs> Beyond my comprehension what that means. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to field to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods from the pigs that they were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, that's an important part, when he came to his senses. How many of his father and hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. Imagine. To the father, he was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that a great passage of scripture? Two sons, they both received inheritance. The younger son said, I've had it. Living in the dad's house. I've had it with all of dad's rules. I've got my money. I'm a grown man. I can make my own decisions. I can do what I want to do. And so he took his money, packed all that he had, took off. I've heard this story all of my life. And here's what I've heard. I've heard it preached. And here's what the preachers would say. So when he came to a census, there in the pig pen, he realized that his father's servants had better than what he had. So he ran home. And his father received him and hugged him up. 
And church, that today is what will happen to you if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you run to the Father and you repent of your sins, the Father will wrap His arms around you and call you a son. And He will redeem you and He'll write your name in the Lamb Book of Life. He'll put a ring on your finger, sandals on your feet, a robe on your back, and He will say, kill the fatty calf. Let's celebrate. But that's not what happened. What? No. The son was already a son. He didn't get saved. He was already a son. Can I tell you that people who are already men and women, sons and daughters of the Most High God, sometimes get it in their brain that I'm a grown person. I can do what I want to do. I'm tired of my dad telling me what I cannot do and what I can do. I'm tired of this house. I'm going to take my life and I'm going to go and live it however I want to live. There are sons and daughters who decide to do that. I can tell you today that in this house, this is the house of God. And in this house, we have an environment we try our best to create an environment of praise because God inhabits praises. So we want God to descend in that environment. We try to create an environment of worship. That is where we come into the holiest of holies and we lift our hands and lift our hearts. And we have this environment that we try to create. And we do that with songs. We do that with projectors. We do it with lighting the sound, all of those things help create an environment. Do you know that when you go into a store, they are creating an environment? If you notice, you probably don't because a lot of the messages are subliminal. But when you go into a store, they will all of a sudden have slower music because they want you to slow down. They will also create an environment to where all of the fruity cereals are on the bottom rack so your children can reach them. All of the really healthy, nutty stuff is on the top shelf. So you really have to want it to reach up there and get it and knock it off the shelf in your basket. Restaurants will do this. Have you ever noticed some restaurants that at a certain time the lights get lower? When the lights go down, the prices go up. Hopefully you ordered before they dimmed. But yet everything is trying to create an environment. Every day in our society, the world is creating an environment. Yes. You, you, you turn your radio on, you've just created an environment. What you listen to, it will affect you. I just preached on Psalms. When you go to work, your work creates an environment. You have your, if you're at an office, you have your desk, you have the environment. If you're at a company, if you're working in the oil refineries or out, you're an electrician, a plumber, mechanic, whatever, you have your environment. If you turn on the television, they have an environment. You get to choose which environment you want in your house. But how many of you know that also they begin to have these things called commercials? Yeah. And these commercials in just a few seconds create an environment. And in that environment, they, they show you a brand new car. 
shiny. It's pretty. They show beautiful people driving it and the wind blowing through their hair. And it's a windy, curving road, and you're like, I want that. And what they don't show you is the payment book. <laughs> They'll show you these hamburgers and somebody really beautiful or really handsome taking a big old bite. And all of a sudden, I want that hamburger. But it never looks like it did in the commercial. <laughs> and then you see somebody wearing some clothing. And you go, man, I want to look like that. So you go and you buy the dress, the pants, the shirt, whatever. You put it on. But it doesn't look the way they made it look. Because I'm thinking, if I could just bend that, boy, I want to look like that. That's why I bought this jacket. I like this jacket. But I, it doesn't look on me the way it looked on that guy. Because he had like 0% body fat. He worked out 40 hours a day. They didn't tell me I had to do that. All I got to do is buy the jacket. An environment. And how many know this, that when you have an environment, certain colors, music, sounds, all of these things affect us. But in, in the environment, here's what happened. Desire is birthed in environment. Yeah. Desire is birthed in the middle of environment. When I have that environment of hamburgers, I'll, I'll get hungry. And all of a sudden, they get that cold Coke. And it's got the little water modules on the glass. Now I'm thirsty. You know? And it's always when you're on a diet. I've often wondered why at the hospitals they have nothing but food channels on there. When they don't serve anything that looks like that. They got the pioneer woman up there fixing something. Then they bring you jello and you're like, what? What happened to the pioneer woman thing? But desire gets birth in environment. That is why when you have... People who have addictions, they send them to rehab. Rehab isolates them into an environment. Why? Because in order to change desire, you must change environment first. You cannot stay in the same environment and then have different desires birthed while in the same environment. So in order to get this person who is addicted away from the addictions, you cannot leave them in the addictive environment, but you've got to take them, isolate them over here in a different environment, get their mind thinking different, get their thoughts in a different direction. Why? Because that will birth a different desire. It will take the desires of the addictions Put them way away from them and give them now a different desire that will help them live a healthy lifestyle. If you're on a diet, don't keep hanging out at the bakery. You're not going to win. Because that environment is going to cause you to buy pastries and eat pastries. And when you come into church... We try to isolate you for just a moment. We got an hour and a half a week for some. Two and a half hours if you come to Wednesday night. Out of all the other hours of the week that you're in a different environment, 
But we're trying in just a short time to change the desires because you're in environments all week long that birth desires, sexual desires, physical desires, mental desires, things that are birthed that are not in keeping with the Word of God. Now, some environments are awesome. Some of you create awesome environments in your home, in your cars, at your work. Wonderful. Because in that you have a more desire to love God, to serve God. You're in the Word. You've got that Word in you. You're creating an environment. But some people go back into the world. They leave the house of God and get into a different environment. I had a guy come to me one time. He goes, Pastor, I am so tired of dating. I keep dating the same girls. I said, well, tell me a little bit of what, what goes on. He said, well, it always starts out kind of, kind of you know, good. And, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. But it winds up 4 a.m., candles burning, Julio Iglesias, or whoever it is. <laughs> and then we got issues. I said, okay, stop. The issue is not necessarily the girls or you. It's the environment. But part of it is the girls because you need to stop dating a girl that would let the environment happen at 4 a.m. in the morning. And then you need to be a man of God and say, you know what? I'm not even going to allow that environment to happen. Listen. Because environment births desire. My dad always told me nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. <laughs> so as a senior in high school, my curfew was 10 o'clock. A senior. Beyond your comprehension. You had 10 o'clock curfew when you were in the third grade. Environment. When I was a youth pastor, I told the youth, I said, if you're ever in a bad environment, call me, I'll help you get out of it. So I had youth call me. Pastor B, it's 11.30 on a Saturday night. Pastor B, why, why, what? The car windows are fogged up. I need your help. Okay. Tell her we're, I'll meet you at the bowling alley in 15 minutes. Our bowling alley was 12 to 2 o'clock. It was midnight bowling. I said, let's tell her you're, you're going to. So I get up out of bed. I go to the bowling alley. The young man meets me there and hugs me. Oh, Pastor B, I love you, I love you, I love you. Because they had an out. They had an excuse to get out of the environment. You're not going to have as much temptation for sex bowling. <laughs> as you do with a fogged up car with the radio on. You have to change environments. Hallelujah. Lord, help the preacher. <laughs> I want you to notice that in this young man's life who left home, there was nothing negative recorded about his life as long as he was at home with dad. I mean, nothing negative. It was only when he decided, I got to get out of dad's house, the things started to fall apart. Now, I got to tell you, I want you to understand this. If you are a man or woman of God, your father or mother or whatever, 
You are blessed. Now, I want you to understand this word blessed. It's not a verb. This blessed is a noun. It's a, it's a, it's a state of being. You are blessed. Now, it's a state of being. It is who you are. So I am blessed. Now, I can be a blessing to somebody. That's a verb. But I am blessed. No matter where I go, I am blessed. And when I am blessed, I carry with me that blessing. If, if somebody hires me, the job is not a blessing to me. I am now a blessing to my employer. I bring my blessings. You know what? I don't show up late for work. I work eight hours or whatever it is. I give him a hard day's work. He's happy with my work. I'm making him money. I bring him blessings. I don't bring him trouble. But I'm also blessed in my house. When I am in my house, I am blessed. And so there's three areas that I want you to understand that are environments of blessings. The Bible tells us that when we are blessed, we get up blessed. We go to bed blessed. We go out blessed. We come in blessed. We are blessed all the time. And when a blessed man or woman of God gets knocked down, they get up every time. We have in Deuteronomy, we have uh, a man by the name of Balaam. A king came to him and said, hey, Balaam, I want you to curse Israel because they keep beating up everybody. And Balaam come back with, here's what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 5. He said, I tried, but the Lord God would not listen to Balaam because uh, he turned the curse into a blessing. Because the Lord loves you. So even the enemy cannot curse us because we are blessed. So whatever the enemy causes for evil, God turns around for good. Amen? And so there's three areas we've got to understand that are blessings. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I'm blessed. It's a noun. It's who I am. It's what I am. I can't separate myself from being blessed, and neither can you. So you might be careful when you're talking about a blessed man or woman of God. You know, don't attack them. Don't roll your eyes at them. Watch out. Because they got somebody who's got their back. They got somebody who's going to fight for them. And whenever you start saying something bad about a blessed man or woman of God, you better be careful. Because my daddy is listening. And my daddy, as long as I'm in his house, he's going to take care of me. Nothing negative happens when I'm in the house. The enemy knows this. And the enemy knows not to mess with us when it comes to eternal things. Now, there are temporary things. He messes with us all the time. But there's three areas of environment for blessing. Number one is proper shelter and covering. A home that is set up. Now, listen. This is the qualifier. A home that is set up with biblical structure, God blesses. My home is blessed. I am the head of my household. Now, my wife and I, we are in this thing 100%, 100%. We do everything together. However, if there's a decision we have a hard time coming to, she defers to me because I'm the head of the house. That's what God says. I do not lord that over her at all. 
She's a very strong, independent woman. She's already told you. She's already told you. I'm not getting out of this thing only dead. The only way I'm getting out is dead. She might kill me. She has, she has learned that especially with the assemblies of God, you can get forgiveness for murder. But you can't get forgiveness for divorce and remarriage. <laughs> She's figured it out. Got the loophole fixed. But in my house is blessing. So, and, and because we're setting it up biblically, guess what? My wife is blessed. My kids, as long as they are in my house, they are receiving my blessing. Because I'm the head. And the, and the head dictates all the blessings that goes over that house. Now, when they get out of my house, if they are not living the way God wants them to live, guess what? They're not under my blessing anymore. Boom, they get over here by themselves. They're on their own. They all of a sudden go, I'm, I'm going to do things my own way. I, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. Yes, you are. Go ahead. Be careful. You better create an environment over here, a blessing on your own, because you just got out of mine. I want you to understand this. We need to understand that there is proper structure, biblical structure, and when you, when you forfeit that biblical structure, you run into problems. Every household that I've ever seen that had problems, the number one thing was it was not biblically structured. The church has a biblical structure. This church has a biblical structure. God is the head of this church. Anytime he's not the head of this church, we're going to have problems. The congregation is the next level of authority. And then the pastor. I'm, a, I'm accountable to this congregation and everything we decide to do here. But then the pastor. Then the board. The board's not above the pastor. If I want to, I can veto nine board members. Wouldn't be very wise on my part. Because the Bible says there's wisdom in the council of many. I'm a pretty smart dude. I'm not going to go against nine board members. But if I need to, if God tells me and he didn't tell them, I have the authority to do that. And then under the nine board members, all the other ministries in the church. We've got this biblical structure given to us by God, and we need to honor that. That way God blesses us. Well, I've seen people in the church, oh, I tell you what, preacher, I think I can do it better than you. I'm going to take me 25 people and go over here. Go right ahead. You just got out of the blessing. I've been through it. I've seen board members all the time. Oh, Oh, we can do this thing. We don't need the preacher. We'll just get rid of him. Boom, 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 boom. Be careful because God blesses. God curses. And those that curse you, he will curse. I've seen board members physically pay the price. Pay the price with their families. Pay the price with their family. Listen, you better be careful when you're messing with a man or a woman of God. God's got our backs. But we've got to have proper structure in the house. And then you have to have proper structure of authority. Look at Psalm 133, 1 through 3. How good and pleasant it is. I mean like good and pleasant. I love good and pleasant. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Here's what it's like. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. I want blessing, verb. Even life forevermore. Hallelujah. God understands authority. He dealt with it through the Bible. He, he said, 
Moses, you're in charge. But then I want you to get these guys that are over 50, over 100, over 1,000. He always organizes. Jesus, when he was feeding 5,000, he said, here's the authority. But I'm going to break the bread and give it to you guys. And you guys are going to give it. I want you to sit this way, 20s, 50s, 100s. To get to get. Let's get organized here. I don't know why churches think God is against organization. Everything God does is organized. Everything. Well, we don't need organizational flowcharts in the church. Why not? We need to know who's doing what and who has authority over what. We need to understand that because it brings blessing. Blessing. When somebody gets out of authority, it messes up the blessing. I don't want. I want pleasant unity. Everybody dwelling together. It is good to see Lydia here today. I don't want to interrupt my message, but I just can't stop and just say thank you for being here. How's your dad? Dude, listen, I got to tell you this real quick. They're in the hospital. Her dad is on ventilator. They, they tell her he's not going to make it through the night. We start praying. The next day, the doctors come in and go, well, you say, is it okay if we try just taking him off the ventilator just to see if he's going to live or not? She gave him, okay, okay, let's do that. They take him off the ventilator within how, how long? Just a short period of time. He's up going to the bathroom. <laughs> the doctors walk in. I'm telling the truth right here. The doctors walk in and go, what are you doing? I'm going to the bathroom. You shouldn't even be alive. You shouldn't even be off the ventilator. What are you doing going to the restroom? Has he gone home yet? He's not going home, but he's going home, right? Yeah. Don't tell me that God doesn't bring blessing. She began to pray. Blessing goes with her. When she begins to get by her father's start, she just brought blessing right into that room. She brought blessing into that hospital. Listen, when we are blessed, where we go becomes blessed. Let our feet be shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace, right? And she got in there and started praying. God, she told me, she said, I'm not ready to lose my dad yet. You don't think God heard that? Are you going to have troubles? Absolutely. You're guaranteed them. Because the enemy hates you. But he cannot destroy you. He cannot defeat you. Because you're a man and a woman of God. And you're an environment that creates a desire to love God. And to worship God. And bring down the presence of God. And where God is, there is peace and unity and joy. Hallelujah. It's an environment that we live in. And the oil flows from the top to the bottom. Don't try to get it going from the bottom to the top. It won't work. Third area of environment that's going to be blessed is proper allocation of tithes. Listen, everybody with financial, there's not been one person coming to my office with financial troubles that was a tithe. Now, Brother Lyle, I thought you was going to start preaching earlier. I was going, amen, keep on going. If you're a tither, you're still going to have to figure out a budget. Can't go, well, I'll just be a tither and I'm just going to have unlimited resources. Well, if you can figure that out, let me know about that one. I have limited resources, but God provides the seed. I determine how I sow that seed. Look at this. Malachi 3, 7 through 10. Ever since time of your ancestors have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, return to me and I will return to you, says God. If you run away from me, 
Guess what you have to do? You got to get back to God. God's not going to come and get you out. He's not going to come over here to the pig bin and go, Son, what are you doing? God does not do that. He says, Here I am in my house. You want to go out and be a man or a woman? You can do whatever you want. Go ahead. But I hope and pray you come to your senses. Because if you want to live the blessed life, you've got to get back to my house. God says, if you return to me, I will return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Here's what God says, you robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He said this. I love God doesn't beat around the bush. You robbing me. How are we doing? Tithe and offer. Oh. I know he didn't go, well, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I think it would be really good if, if you would, might consider when you're making out your budget if you could bring a little bit back to it. No. And tithe and offer. And then look at verse 9. You are under a curse. I mean, this is God. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. See, God can figure out what whole means. It means the whole thing. 10%. Into the storehouse. Where? The storehouse. The house. Boys told people, you don't go to McDonald's and eat and then pay over here at Taco Bell. Where are you getting fed? That's where you poke your feet on the table. That's where you pay the bill. I'll get into that another day. So bring it to the store that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. I tell you what, God will pass every test. And see if I will not. Here's what God says. I will throw open floodgates of heaven. You need to do a study on heaven. Heaven's got doors. It's got locks on it. But it gives you keys. It has windows. It has floodgates. We've got some people here, I won't call their name, that live downstream of the dam. Aren't you glad the floodgates are in control? If those things get, all of a sudden they get thrown open, dude, you're going to be in trouble. God says, here's what I'm going to do to you. If you honor me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to throw open floodgates. And here's what he said. And pour out so much blessing. I still haven't seen a church live there yet. I've never been to a church where 100% of the people tithed. Come on. I want you blessed. I will pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. What? I got more cars than I fit in my garages. I got more money to buy stuff that won't even fit in my house. I, I will tell you the honest truth today, though. I got money I have not even spent yet. Anybody like me, blessed? You got money you haven't even spent yet? Raise your hand. How many got money you haven't spent yet? Raise your hand. Come on. If you don't have any money that you haven't spent yet, come here, I'll give you $5. You'll have some. Every one of us in here got money we ain't spent yet. I want you blessed. We're either under a blessing or under a cursing. It's our choice. The enemy does not come inside the house. The enemy waits for us outside of this environment. 
The enemy wasn't waiting on the sun in the house. The enemy is waiting on the sun over here while living. He created an environment for him, didn't he? Oh, come on, let's party. It'll be good. Come on. Hey, Bobby's got money. What? He's my friend. Oh. How do you know you got lots of friends when you got money? Bobby, what do you got? We go pop. You, everybody drinks. Bobby paying for everybody. Bobby got drugs. What you got? Oh, we got everything, man. We got some weed. We got some LSD. We got some heroin. Let's have some fun, man. Party up in this house. It's my birthday. Party, come on. Let's have fun. And then he spent it all. He didn't have enough foresight to put back 20 bucks to get home with a taxi. Spent it all. Why? He was in an environment of Party Central. I got to tell you, I've had a lot of people come to me. Oh, Pastor, I've got to get forgiveness. Why? Well, I got into an environment. The environment birthed the desires. If you have a, an addiction to gambling, don't hang out at the casinos. Well, I just can't stop myself. If you're not there, try that. you got to get in a different environment. Church is not just a drive-through. It's the house. This is your father's house. And you are his son and you are his daughter already. You're already a part of the family. But i got to tell you, you can still decide to go out of the environment and get into some wild situations. I know this because I have been there a lot of times with a lot of people. Yeah. Had a lady one time in my church having an affair. She had a wreck. They called me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I drive 40 miles to the hospital. Guess what was crushed? Her pelvic girdle. You don't think God's trying to go, wait, come to your senses here. God loves you so much that he will allow things once you get out of his blessings to happen to you. Trying to get you to wake up. I call them roadblocks to hell. He'll try to stop you, but you just keep on going. This son decided, hey, wait a minute. I can't even... They won't even let me have what the pigs read because I was told, oh yeah, he's got his mouth over in the slop bucket eating. Read it again. He said, I wish that I could have had the paws that the pigs read. But I didn't even have that. I'm starving to death here. Listen, you get out of the environment of God and your soul is going to spiritually starve to death. You're going to get out of fresh bread and fresh water. Get out of the environment. And you're going to be out there in the world in an environment that's not, that's not God friendly. And you're going to starve your soul to death. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Don't give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. But encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching i got to tell you, I've seen a shift that I am very concerned about. When I was growing up, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. 
that were singing on Friday night, Saturday night. Some church around there was having a revival, and it wasn't a revival if it didn't last at least three weeks. And that's Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Starts at 7 o'clock, gets out at midnight. People are getting up every morning going to their jobs. They didn't have children's church. Just don't sleep. Hey, we've left our kids at church before. Sandy thought I had them. She thought, I thought she had them. We both get home and go, where's our kids? I thought you had them. I thought you had them. Go back, unlock the church, go in there, dark. They're asleep on the front pew. Never knew it. Till right now. <laughs> but we were in the environment of God all the time. Didn't have time to think about other stuff. Didn't have time to do other stuff. And now we're in a society to where we're lucky if we get people in church for 50 minutes a week. The average Christian will only go to church. The average Christian will only go to church 27 times a year. 27, 50 minutes a year. And then wonder why we can't live a Victorian Christian life when we are not in an environment that is promoting God-centered activities and God-centered mental things to think about. We're not practicing. We're going and visiting the house. I mean, if my kids only come to see me, I only see them 26 times, 27 times a year, and it's only for 50 minutes, what kind of relationship are we going to have? I don't want to FaceTime them. I don't want any kind of technological deal. I want time with my kids. Last night I sat down on the floor, had my grandkids there, and they're, they're three and six, and I'm teaching them our family tradition of Uno. <laughs> it's a tradition, man. It's serious. And my granddaughter at the age of three realized that she did not win. And she went, oh! I did not win. And my response was, you've got my DNA, baby. Because we do not lose very well. We get upset. We want to win. I've always been taught if you're going to play a game, win. The reason why you keep score is there's a winner and a loser. I will not lose. I'm going to win. I'm going to do everything I can to win because it's ingrained inside of me to be a winner, to be a conqueror, to be somebody that when they get knocked down, I get back up and I get back up madder than you knock me down. And when the enemy comes against me, church, he just makes me mad. Because he can't defeat me, he's just trying to slow me down. He knocks me down, I get down, I skim my knees, I want to get up and knock his teeth out. Biblical, I told you about it. Crack his teeth, knock them out. Why? Because we win this thing. We're blessed. We've got an environment. But we've got to stay in the environment. The young man did not receive the blessings of the father till he got back to the father's house. We need to make sure we are in the environment of God the Father. Don't get outside of places that bring curses. Don't get outside in places that are not blessings. 
The enemy will have access to you when you get outside of the environment of your father. You can bow up all you want to. But when you go out, understand, the enemy has access to you. And he's not playing either. He's not playing. My kids, once they leave their house, my house, guess what they have to do? Create their own environments of blessings. They have to go to church. They've got to listen to the right kind of music. They've got to have the right biblical structure in their home. They have to create an environment so that their families and their kids are under blessings. And in this house, we've got to make sure that we are staying in the house of our Father. We're already sons and daughters. We don't need to get saved. We're already saved. We're already part of the family. We've already got a name. We just need to make sure we return to our Father and say, God, I'm sorry I've sinned against you. I need a clean robe on. Did you notice? He didn't even have shoes on his feet. Can you imagine this father of great wealth seeing his son with dirty, nasty, cracked open toes and feet and saying, that's my son? Uh-uh. Clean him up. My kids don't look like that. My kids are clean. My kids have the best of clothing. My kids have the finest of jewelry. My kids have the, the best of everything. Wash him up. They just didn't put sandals on his dirty feet. They washed him clean. Scrubbed him good. Put lotions on him. Put some cologne on him. Fixed his hair. Gave him a new trim. Shaved his face. Hey, that's my boy. That's what he looks like. Put a robe on him. Somebody kill a big old fatty cat. Let's have a party. Why? This is a different kind of environment. This is the kind of celebration when that which is lost has come home and my son which was dead to me, he is now alive again. Welcome home, son. Here's all the blessings you've been missing. Come on. Come on. Give it praise today. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. We've got to get in the right environment. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.